What is up, everybody? It is the tailgates with Brandon and myself. Not your head, if I'm supposed to be adding you on here, Mister Mister sitting in the backstage. Not not your head. Yes, no. What's up? What's boy? up, Felix? What's up, boys? What's up? <laughs> Broadcasting live from my bathroom, hiding from my children. Uh, you know, every parent knows that struggle, though. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, so we are we're here final week of the tailgate uh, a little a little sad to see it go but also a little happy as uh frees up uh, an hour of my saturday morning after saturday so i won't complain about that but how how are you two gentlemen doing i was gonna say i thought we were all supposed to be wearing our college uh play oh wait that's right you guys haven't made it into the college playoffs yet i i apologize so uh uh but anyways how are you two doing <laughs> How you guys doing on the beautiful, beautiful Saturday of the game, the greatest rivalry in all of sports, not just I college. Great. I'm ready. I am ready. I'm I'm ready too. And I think that we're, it's going to be closer than people in the big house. You know, if that front four can create pressure, then uh, CJ Stroud and company are going to have a problem. I, I don't disagree with you, Brandon. I was on uh, Decoding Debbie with Brandon earlier this week, and we talked a lot about the game. And I, I said the same thing, didn't I, Brandon? I, I do not think that this is going to be a blowout. I know a lot of people seem to think it will be. I'm honestly, I won't lie, like that much nervous that Ohio State might actually lose this game. Like, I, I there's a realistic shot that they lose, and I I brought that up with Hutchinson. Is it is it Jabo? I feel like I always say his name wrong. Yeah, Ojabo. Uh, Ojabo. He. Ajabo. We saw what Oregon was able to do, that offensive line, and C.J. Stroud without Thibodeau, without Justin Flo, and they lost Terry Miller on that offensive line a couple weeks ago as well. So there's, I mean, granted Henderson wasn't what he is right now, but still Stroud's a little bit better, but I think they've not really seen a defensive front like that, and we talked uh, obviously a little bit as well. They haven't been in a lot of away games that there's a lot of pressure on them. Outside of, and a lot of people are going to laugh when I say this, the Nebraska game when they were in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Stroud did struggle in that game through a massive interception, had a big fumble toward the end of that game. That game was not the, uh, I think they ended up winning by like 13 or 14 points, but it was a lot closer than that going into the final couple minutes of that game. The big house, one of the biggest stadiums in all of college football, the fans are right on top of you. It's, it's going to be a good game. Felix, I'll let you have the floor because I don't know how long you're going to be here. So go ahead. Go, go yeah, the one thing away. we know about C.J. Stroud is we know where he's going to be. He's going to be in the pocket for some reason. Ryan Day doesn't emphasize uh, his quarterbacks running the ball, neither with Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud, who's not, a, not, not nearly the athlete that Fields was. And so I compared this game to uh, when the Patriots went undefeated and they played the Giants once at the end of the regular season and then again in the Super Bowl. If you can create pressure with four, even with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and all the weapons that they have, then the math is in your favor on defense. And so that is how they win this game. Now, we've seen Ohio State give up some rushing yards earlier in the season. That hasn't been the case um, recently. I don't know. Is Blake Quorum, is Blake Quorum healthy? I mean, if they're <clears throat> I've heard, I've heard he's going to play. I heard he could have played last week. And um, I don't know, you know, he might tweak it, but I, 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 from what I heard, he's going to be available. Well, look for Michigan to try to shorten this game. That's what they do with all of their games. They're going to try to run the ball 50 times today, run for over 300 yards, not put it in the air and keep the Ohio State offense off the field. And, you know, if they get – they're at home. If they get a lead, they go up 7, 14 to nothing, 14 to 3, something like that. Then they could put some pressure 
on uh, on Ohio State and make them run the ball. I think you got to take you got to get um, uh, Travion Henderson out of the game. That's just too many um, aspects of the offense to defend. And so if they can put pressure on C.J. Stroud by getting up a few scores, 14-3, put them in, put them in. First down is going to be really important for Michigan. First up, you got to have them be behind the chains of third passing situations often. You can't have them in second and three, second and four, stuff like that. You got to get them behind schedule. And so um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Go blue. Go blue. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever, whatever he just said. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, Brandon and myself will talk more about that game here. Uh, before we get, uh, now, you know, well, should we, Brandon, I got, we got a little thing for the fans here. Should we play it now or toward the end of the episode? What do you think? Uh, I don't know what this is, so I, I, I really have no opinion. Uh, you know what? We'll just, we'll do it now. We've, uh, We've been doing this for 13 weeks now, or really 14 weeks, because week zero doesn't actually count as week one for college football. So uh, we've been doing the tailgate from the beginning. So all of us here at Campus of Canton just wanted to say a little thank you to everybody who's tuned in and made this show as great as it has been since uh, since week zero. Hey everyone, I just wanted to say quickly from all of us at Campus to Can that we are very thankful for those that tuned in and made the tailgate a huge success in season one. When we decided to do the Saturday morning show, we were not sure how it would go or how it would be received. And all the viewers and everybody in our Discord and on our website have made it a ton of fun every single morning. And we ourselves have had a lot of fun with it, which we are very appreciative of. So I just wanted to say from the bottom of our hearts, from all of us at Campus to Canton, we say thank you so much for tuning in every single Saturday. Now enjoy some of the highlights from Season 1 of The Tailgate. Welcome to a rockin' morning here at Campus de Canton. Guys, it's week zero. We made it. We survived. The offseason is over. College football is here. Welcome into our first episode of The Tailgate, our show, weekly show here at Campus de Canton that is going to be getting you ready for everything college football, CFF, C2C, DFS, every other alphabet letter that you could possibly imagine string together. And I'm joined by this week against a defense giving up 130 yards on the ground. What What is it with Matthew and running backs from Oregon State? I mean, does he have I a mean, great – is he a great vision guy also? No, he's not. I don't know. I haven't really looked into him. I'm, I'm excited to look into him, though. I'm ex- I mean, how's Ramondre Stevenson doing now? Is he have, after a fumble and not Steve- made – and just kind of sitting on the bench for the Patriots uh, every season. season. Yeah, per season. Woo! And, and you boy, you're that, that doesn't, really that doesn't count. Pat myself pre-season on the back. Doesn't count. I know, pre-season right? I forgot. Those highlights were out there. It increased his value in fantasy. I wish that Tony Reale button. I got it. Boom, 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 boom. They're all muted. All of you calm down. All right. We'll take y'all out of time out now. Everybody calm? Everybody good? Okay. Um... One Mark last thing on that. Go ahead. I, I figured Felix would know how Jamar Jefferson was doing. Isn't he on Detroit? Yeah, he was on. De- he was. I think he got cut. I couldn't even remember the name. Jamar Jefferson. He, he didn't no get cut. Just speaks to how he great did. of a fan you are. He's still on the team. He's the third string. I've been a back. fan since 1998. I've gone through so many heartbreaks when Justin Tucker kicked that field goal and it bounced off the upright and then went in. I just laugh because that's not the first time that Justin Tucker has done that to us. As a matter of fact, 
quick story time. Okay. Thursday night football, the line, uh, Aaron Rodgers was injured. Jay Cutler was injured. I think this was in 2014 or so. They were all injured. We needed to win one game to lock up a playoff spot. We were playing the Ravens. Justin Tucker kicks a 61. So he kicks a, a field goal from the other side of the 50 to go up two. I want to say with, with a minute and 30 left. Six and a half out. We get the kickoff. Matthew Stafford throws an interception on the on the first play. And I spiked my phone. I spiked. I couldn't help. I was holding my hand. I spiked my cell phone. I went in the shower and cried. And then I had a then I had a flip phone for like two like two years after that. Uh, I think it was 2013 or so. So that was the last time, Justin. And it was at Ford Field. Reggie Bush had a good game that game, I remember. And you know who got the interception? James Zihedebo, who ended up playing for the Lions later. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the time that I broke I broke my cell phone because uh, Matthew Stafford threw an interception on the first. We had two, I think we had two timeouts left, too. Talk about being a Lions fan. Probably the same as being a Michigan fan. How about Jaden Reed, the wide receiver out of Michigan State? Is that for me? Who is that? Is that for me? Yeah, you put it that. Are you throwing it back to me? Yeah. What's we're, happening? We're trying here? to talk a little bit about college football. Jaden Reed listen, is a star. This, this is week, a professional right? organization. Austin, get your show together. Who's running this thing? Am I supposed to be talking about Jaden Reed right now? Yes. Okay. Well, Jaden Reed is a wide receiver for the Michigan State Spartans. Excited to be here for week nine. Uh, no Austin, no Felix, just the greatest minds at campus. The can- Gentlemen, how you doing today? How, how you guys feeling on this beautiful Saturday before we jump in and start talking about some week nine college football? Feel pretty good. Um, I mean, in, in Felix's defense, if he's not here, it's because he's doing anything else that he would rather be doing. So, you know, yeah, that's true. He made that very apparent to us. He so did. That, that is fair, fair point. Fair point. Second quarter. How many times are you going to hand it to Kenneth Walker? And Ohio State has been good against the run. So I am sitting. I'm sitting, uh, Mr. East Lansing. Kenneth Walker. By the way, I, I, we should give credit to Matt Bruning, who pull, who. One of the guys he was touting in the offseason, he touted two transfers. One didn't pan out. The other did, Kenneth Walker. Um, and he's been excellent this season. And so let me give the rare opportunity to um, give some credit to Matt Bruder. All right, Matt. So he gives you props at 103.42, and he said Ryan Day was well, a good coach at 102.50 if you need those timestamps here. So uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. We're and in lockstep like always. Now I'm starting to think like Colin has like slowly gotten himself inside my head. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I'm just like, Can't, that sounds like a great... Why did I... Oh, it's because I thought that. No, really, it's Colin secretly well, like whispering were, in my ear. Well, you, you, were, you, were the one on, you were the one on Kenneth Walker. So, um, you know, hat tip to you on that one. I was not on him early. I'm wondering... I don't even know if I want to go with this wide receiver. Did you, did you mention this wide receiver right here? Okay, so I got one of my own. Colin did not influence me on this one. Um, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how to say his last name, guys. I'm horrible with pronunciation. But Eric at Texas Tech, that's what I'm going to call him. Last week, massive. Welcome to the tailgate brought to you by CampusDeCanton.com. It's week five of the college football season. We are starting to find out who is for real, who is not. (laughs) 
Uh, we were not aware that gag was coming. So we, <laughs> we have our Campus to Canton cohort here. We've got Colin Decker, Matt Bruning, Brandon Hay, a surprise guest down there in the corner who uh, can no longer show his face after his near certainty that, that Iowa would lose to Maryland last night. Um, uh, in this one, um, I mean, he's just kind of been what we come to expect in uh, from all of these uh, every week, week in, week out. He's having a big game 10, 108, four touchdowns, um, just monster game here. Um, second what? game back to back on over 100 yards. Was so... it decent or was it monster? Because you've given us both of those adjectives in the last uh, 30 seconds here, Colin. Monster game. Okay. So, okay. Just wanted to check in. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe your team's really bad. You're in a 2014 league. Look, there's there's some people on this show right here that like to draft bad players just so they can cut them later, which also probably means they're not good at drafting good players earlier in the draft. So I have I have no doubt there's some people who have to start Milton. I think Milton will be fine. I am not in a situation where I have to start Milton anywhere, Matt. So jokes on you. I wasn't even saying you. I mean, don't don't get so offended, Colin. We're just throwing stuff out here to the ether. That's throwing a all. lot of shade in my direction today. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's. You take one week there. off, and then nope. all of a sudden, look. Austin, Austin was trying to swat a fly earlier, and then I just saw some. Nobody was saying you. Yeah, it's like there's oh no, there's this thing over here. Ooh, Colin, man. Come back with the fire takes after one week off. Jeff Sims, if you can't start, if you can't start Jeff Sims, and uh, and and Jameer Gibbs today against Duke. When can you start? When can you ever start? I yeah. stole that from Nate Marchese, by the way. Just tweeted that. So. You're you're embarrassing yourself all over the show this morning, Felix. You're stealing content. I mean, you're I telling stories it. about the sad sack lions. I mean, let let's stay on script here. Come on, man. You're better than that. Jane Reed, um, he has over 20 fantasy points his last four games, so uh, that's why um, I initially put him as a start before Felix did. And do you want to talk about Jeff Sims too while we're here? <laughs> no, not 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 much about Jeff Sims. You know, that was another another player stolen from me. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be bitter about it. Look, I mean, who are, are we starting Peyton Thorne? What's going on here? Yes. Jeff Sims is an all around start. Anthony Richardson is a start. Just shut up. Shut up. Oh, it's not You're my turn. My bad. I am next. Do you want to go through mine too? Or. <laughs> Felix is done for the show. This is why we don't invite him on in the mornings. Um, I have two. Yeah, but since, oh, excuse me, SMU is a team that's emerging. They get Ulysses Bentley back, who's been injured um, part of the season. I, I, I think that there are too many um, options to stop for SMU's defense, and I, or SMU's offense, excuse me. And I think uh, they pull off the upset, and so we can stop talking about since. I would love to <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you don't this, put your picks on the sheet, you get one side you pick. This is this is that. Matt's Joker backstory. This is his, <laughs> this is how he uh he went he went bad here. This this morning show. <laughs> Sorry.
So again, thank you. Sorry, I just realized I had myself muted. There's a lot more on there. I spent probably days worth of going through and grabbing videos. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Brandon was here pretty much every week as well. I'm sure he uh, agrees with that. It was a lot of fun doing the show, and a lot of that goes to uh, to you guys who tune in every single week, so we really appreciate it. So enough with the, with the sentimental stuff, Brandon. You're going to make me cry. Let's jump in and talk <laughs> about what happened Friday. Let's start with Sam Heward. Uh, he struggled last night in his first start in the Apple. All right, so we'll get in now and game, give uh, give you guys our game picks. And it is just me and Brandon, which is probably meant to be because it is you and me <laughs> sitting atop of the standings here. Me and you are both sitting at 48 and 18. Austin is one game behind us at 47 and 19, followed by Chris at 43 and 23, and then Colin at 40 and 26. So I will give uh, our picks, and then we'll give the, the rest of the groups. Not that it matters. Or I guess it really comes down to you, me, and Austin. Austin did go opposite of us on a couple of games, so he has a chance to jump both of us. I'm going with Alabama here, though. I, I just don't. If, if Bo Nix was playing in this game, I do think that there'd be a shot for Auburn to win it. Um, interestingly enough, the last two times Alabama has gone to, uh, to Auburn for the Iron Bowl, they have lost. But I don't know that TJ Finley is enough to this. Bo Nix just sometimes has that magic that makes it happen. But with him not playing, I don't believe TJ Finley is enough to get it done. I'm taking Alabama. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm taking uh, Alabama also. Their offense is really rolling. And, you know, without, uh, you know, Bo Nix, um, I, I think they're, they're going to struggle to move the ball. And like you said, I think Saban knows that he has to just roll Auburn to yeah. give him some insurance for the playoff. So, you know, I have Alabama big in this one. Uh, Chris took Alabama as well, said Auburn is missing Knicks. Defense isn't quite there, and Bama's defense has steadily improved. And Austin and Colin both took Alabama as well. Next up should be a very good game between Collins, Penn State, Nittany Lions, and Dwight's Michigan State Spartans. This was very tough for me because I, I'm going Kenneth Walker and Sparty, because while they do have a very good pass defense in Penn State, you can run the ball on them a little bit. Kenneth Walker, I think, wants to go out there and have a huge day after really kind of shitting the bed against Ohio State, though he is a little beaten up. But this was there's two games on this thing that were very hard for me to pick. This was one of them because, as, as Colin mentioned earlier in starting Jahan Dotson, Michigan State's defense is really bad against the pass. Well, I don't think Sean Clifford is a good quarterback. I think he might be serviceable enough to get them the win, but I'm going to take Michigan State. Yeah, I also took Michigan State. I think this definitely could go the other way depending on Kenneth Walker's health, so I don't really know about that. Um, but I feel like Mel Tucker will get these guys going. He just signed that big contract, and I think he's going to get them going after that embarrassing loss last week. Uh, Michigan State's at home, so, you know, some of the seniors, I, I think they'll perform well, so I've got Sparty in this one. Uh, let's see here. So Chris took Michigan State as well, discounted Sparty after the loss. Penn State can't score, and Michigan State can. Austin took Michigan State, and Colin, he put dot, 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 so I'm assuming he's just doing it because he's a fan and he's really not happy with the pick, but he's taking Penn State. Hey, why not, right? You're in last swing for the fences. <laughs> Next Definitely. up, we have Oklahoma at Oklahoma State Bedlam. This was the other game. I really could not figure out which way I wanted to go with this one. I ended up taking Oklahoma because I believe in their offense a smidge more than I do Oklahoma State's, but Oklahoma State's defense I think is going to keep them in the game the entire time. I would not be surprised if this is a 
last like last drive win by Oklahoma, drive down, get the field goal. My biggest thing for this, and I was looking it up, Oklahoma leads the series in Bedlam, mind you, 90-18. to 18. Oklahoma State can just not beat Oklahoma in this series for some reason. They also have seven ties for those that really care about that part of it. Uh, so I, I really think Oklahoma gets the win here, but I don't love that choice because Oklahoma State's defense with the, with the way Caleb Williams has played could really kind of turn this game on its head. Yeah, I agree with this was kind of hard for me too. I picked Oklahoma mostly because I don't believe in Spencer Sanders. Um, I think if they can kind of Oklahoma can play, you know, it's been playing a lot better defense as Chris kind of mentions. And um, I think Caleb Williams will bounce back in this one, a big rivalry game. I just think they have too much talent for Oklahoma State, and um, I would think Oklahoma would uh, load up on the run with Warren and try to stop that and make Spencer Sanders beat them, and I just don't know if he, he is capable of uh, keeping up with that Oklahoma offense. All right, so Chris took Oklahoma as well. This is where he said, hashtag secondary talk. The Sooners defense has been really good the last two weeks. Don't trust Oklahoma State's offense here. Austin took Oklahoma State, as did Collins. So this is one of the games that Austin went opposite of us trying to catch us. So we'll see if that happens. Next up, what I think is going to be a very interesting game, just because BYU has been a good team all season long, but a lot of people talk about they're not quite as good as their record or their ranking. They are number 14. They're going in against USC, who I don't believe can make a bowl game because they're under 500 now. Uh, but Jackson Dart, I believe, getting another start, just a chance for him to go out there and prove himself. But I'm going BYU. They've they've been the better team all season long. Uh, Jaron Hall has been good. Tyler Algiers likely last game. Maybe he plays in the bowl game. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think BYU wants to go out there, and I believe they'll go to 10 wins if they win this game. So uh, 10 and two seasons, really good for a team like BYU. Who no, let's let's just be honest. Nobody thought this team was going to do anything after Zach Wilson le- left last year. So I'm, I'm hoping that they get the win against the Spartans today. You mean the Trojans? Eh, whatever. They, they suck too, but yeah, I've met the Trojans. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I have BYU also. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in USC. I think the main thing for USC is just get Dart more experienced and, you know, kind of look at a couple of their other younger players. I think BYU also is kind of overrated for their record. But I do still think they're better than USC, and Algier has really been, like, killing it lately, uh, rushing the ball. So I think that'll help. And uh, I know USC has had some struggles stopping the run. So um, give me BYU in this one. Chris says he's taking BYU as well. He said USC is booty. Austin is taking BYU. And Colin, again, trying to catch up. uh, And his love for Jackson Dart, I'm sure, played into this as well. He is taking USC. All right, last but not least, the game. Ohio State versus Michigan. Talked a lot about it earlier when Felix jumped in and joined us. I think this is going to be a much closer game, and Vegas clearly thinks that as well. I haven't seen the latest line, but it opened at eight points, so really, and you usually give the home team three, so really it's just like a a five-point game here. They're expecting it to be a close game, and I agree. We have not seen... C.J. Stroud played defense like this all season. He When he played Tulsa and Oregon, which were the best defenses that he played, he was not good. Tulsa, if you want to give it because of the shoulder injury, fine, I'll listen to you. But still, Oregon and, and Tulsa, he was not good in those games. And again, I mentioned the Nebraska game. Decent defense for the Big Ten overall, and it was their only away game against a good or decent team. 
and they struggled. They won 26 to 14 or something like that. I don't remember, but it was not even that close. They scored with like less than a minute left to get that last touchdown. It was a very close game. Stroud had a bad pick and a fumble in that game. I'm taking Ohio State, but I will be honest. I've talked a lot of shit on Twitter. I've done the Xing of the M's all season, all week long. I am very scared that this is the game that Jim Harbaugh finally finally gets it. It's been a good 10-year run for the Buckeyes, but it might be coming to an end today. This is probably one of the best teams. You'll be able to tell me if I'm right on this. I think this is one of the best teams Harbaugh has, and Ohio State has some serious questions. We talk a lot about how good this offense has been, but they've really done it against bad teams all season long. Uh, This this is going to be a really good game today, but I'm taking Ohio State. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think this Michigan team is definitely better than the 2018 team. The 2016 team, it's kind of close, but I think the offense is better and the defense maybe have better pass rushers, even though that 2016 defense was very good. I will say earlier in, in the week, I wasn't as confident, but as the week has gone on, I'm getting more confident. And the, the team just keeps on talking about, you know, how this team's different. Kane McNamara said that, you know, they will have lost the Penn State game, maybe the Rutgers game. And I think it is. And Jim was, you know, his he's different this year too. He's got the intensity, but he's more, you know, um, talkative with reporters. He's kind of more loose. And I think that's what Michigan's uh, problem has been in all these games. They're tight. They know they've lost all these games. I think being a little more loose. And I think um, Michigan just needs to get up early. And, um, yeah, I think I – think, it will be closer and the line, it did move down a couple points yesterday. I last I saw it was about six and a half. So, you know, Vegas seems to be uh trending that way. Um, but yeah, I I had I had to, you know, uh I had to stay with Michigan. So I have uh Michigan winning this one, Harbaugh getting it off his back, and me possibly blacking out later in the day from uh, how much drinking I will do. Yeah, I mean, look, the one thing I'll say is, you know, I, Austin talked about it earlier with Cade McNamara. He's better than Shea Patterson. He's better than John O'Corn. And, and I really think if they had a Cade McNamara type, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan might have won a couple of these games. I, I really am I intrigued with what they're going to do. And, you know, Felix talked a little bit about it earlier. The one thing I'll say, even if Corum is out, Hassan Haskins is a really good running back. He's going to be able to do some. And then we saw what Donovan Edwards did last week. If they use him in the passing game, Look, Ohio State's weakness is that linebacker core. I mean, they've got a converted running back. And and my God, his name just jumped out of my head, and I can't remember what it is at the moment. But regardless, uh, Steel Chambers was a running back, and he's been playing linebacker for Ohio State this year because of how bad their linebacking core is. So definitely going to be a good game. Uh, I just want to mention, because I I do have a little list here, Harry Miller is still out for the Buckeyes, so that is a big loss on their offensive line. Uh, My God, G. Scott, he's missing out on the game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, but he he's not going to be there. Quinn Ewers is in the building, though, so Quinn Ewers gets to experience this rivalry firsthand. Uh, let's see here. What did everybody pick? Chris picked Ohio State. He said these teams aren't in the same breath right now. I disagree with that. And then Austin and Colin both picked Ohio State as well, so that will do it. There, there's no second hour, folks. It was just me and Brandon. Brandon, I really appreciate you jumping on with me for the final episode of Season 1. Likely, we're, we're, we might do some kind of bowl game one or something we haven't decided yet this will be the final real tailgate episode i will say i will plug it right now we will be doing a bowl game contest winner gets a signed zay flowers boston college jersey 
So if you guys want that, we'll be putting it up in our Discord only. You've got to be a member of the Discord. Uh, so if you guys are not and you watch this or if you listen, jump in the Discord. We have a lot of stuff in there. We'll be doing that uh, jersey giveaway for whoever wins the bowl game mania thing, which we'll be setting up here in the next couple days as bowl games get ready to roll out. So everybody, enjoy Rivalry Week. Uh, we will, I believe... Felix and myself will be back tonight for Coast to Coast to wrap up the Coast to Coast season as well. And uh, we will see you guys again soon. Thanks. Thank you to everybody who made this college football season a lot of fun. Brandon, thank you as well for jumping on. I've got to say, go go Buckeyes, baby. Go Buckeyes. Go Blue. Beat Ohio. A word to describe rivalry week, emotional. That was college football, and this is Coast to Coast, presented by CampusDeCanton.com. Anarchy in Ann Arbor, Bama taken to the brink, Bedlam just finished. What's going to happen with Lincoln Riley? But I need you to do two things for me. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Turn on your notifications. This is going to be our last show for the year, but we are still going to be going live with all sorts of content over at campusdecan.com. Jump in the chat. Let us know where you are watching from, but we're going to start this show the same way we start every show with the rundown. Let's get into the game, Matthew Bruning. Uh Ohio State at Michigan, snow flurries. Michigan rushes for 279 yards, led by Hassan Haskins. 28 carries, 169 yards, five touchdowns. I said early on that if they could, if Michigan could start off with the lead and put some pressure on CJ Stroud, let four, let that, uh, let that front four do it, then they could win this game. And that's exactly what happened. They jumped out to the lead. Aiden Hutchinson becomes the all-time sack leader at Michigan with three sacks. You got to give it to the Michigan Wolverines. You got to give it to Jim Harbaugh. They pretty much just ran the ball down Ohio State's throats, and we hadn't seen Ohio State give up running uh, rushing yards like that since uh, Oregon. Yeah, I mean, the game plan that Michigan had this week was what Michigan State should have had with Kenneth Hawker. Uh, we talked a lot about that last week. I know, uh, you know, I. We, we talked a lot and gave you a lot of props that you said to sit Kenneth Walker last week. This is exactly what I thought they were going to do. And Hassan Haskins was a beast today. 169 yards, five touchdowns. I've been talking about it all year. And so I was really not that surprised the game went the way that it did. This defense has not really been good. If you really go and look, they put up and were good against teams that were not, not that talented or not toward the top of the Big Ten. And even on offense, they put together a lot of their stuff against poor teams. I mean, Michigan State, I, I don't, I think that was a, a, a recipe for disaster because of how bad that secondary was, but I think the fact that Kenneth Walker couldn't get running on the ground, it's what allowed Ohio State to keep hitting it with those big strikes, which we didn't see Michigan do. Michigan bled those clocks with those run plays. I mean, they averaged, what was a six-something, a carry or something like that? Like, they couldn't stop them. I mean, Kate McNamara didn't even have to throw the ball. I mean, I, I don't even know what his stats were. He was 13 for 19 for 159 yards. I mean, once he threw that interception, it was like Jim Harbaugh on that offense. Like, no, we're just running the ball because it's been effective. Uh, I mean, I can't say much negatively about Stroud. I think overall he did play a decent game here. 394 yards, had the two touchdowns. He looked shaky in moments, but I, I would all say it's kind of hard not to when you have Hutchinson and Jabo playing the way that they did. You just mentioned Hutchinson, now the all-time sack leader at, at uh, Michigan. 
not even that. Dude jumped up into now a Heisman favorite. He had no Heisman odds coming into this game. After that game, he jumped up to, I think, the third favorite now to win the Heisman. I believe he jumped Kenneth Walker. So, I mean, he's having an amazing season. We talked a little bit this morning, you and Brandon, on the tailgate. They lost Harry Miller a couple weeks ago. I think that's kind of hurt that offensive line. You know, Henderson had a decent game here, 74 yards on the ground. 54 got a touchdown in both and, and the wide receivers I thought played a decent game as well JSN Wilson and Olave but I think it was really that defense is as, as, as bad as that offense looked at times I don't know that you can put this game on Ohio State's offense outside of the two red zone stops where they went for field goals you know there wasn't really that many there wasn't really any turnovers I thought the offense looked good but that defense could not get a stop against Michigan when they needed to and, and Harbaugh ran it down their throats and I mean Props to them. Uh, you know, it's it's weird to say this because I really don't like being happy for anybody or anything involved with Michigan. But it was good to see Jim Harbaugh kind of get that monkey off his back because I do think he's a good coach. Um, and you can tell how much it mattered. I mean, it's, you know, I, I think it was uh, a good friend of mine, Jared Watson, who, who tweeted this out. He's an Ohio State fan. He's like, we've been spoiled. We have. I mean, it's been a good 10-year run. We didn't expect it. It happened, and it's kind of weird sitting on the other side of the fence, but it is good for Michigan, I think, to get that. It, it makes the, the rivalry, because now next year, that game's going to have even more meaning. So it sucks to be on the losing end of that, but it was such a great game, too. It was it was insane. And, and as Colin mentioned uh-huh. in the in the, in the there, the snow, like that made that game so much better. I wish it had been a little bit closer, but I mean, it was, yeah, it was a great, great game. Ohio State has now failed to beat Michigan two years in a row. Uh, if I am a Heisman voter, I'm considering Aiden Hutchinson. No, no, sir. Will no, Anderson. no, no, sir. No, sir. I will, I will mute you really quick. That is not true. Michigan backed out of that game last year. That is, that is, is true. That is a factually accurate statement. And uh, Davis, the I, I want all defensive linemen uh, in New York for the Heisman. Maybe let Bryce Young be there, but Hutchinson, Davis, and um, and Will Anderson should they should absolutely be there. This is a year where they can do that. Alabama at Auburn, the Iron Bowl, Matt. Um, this one was close. I think that if Brian Harson could have taken a gamble or two here or there, that Auburn could have actually won this game and put Alabama absolutely out of the playoffs. Jamison Williams, Jamison Williams goes out on a targeting penalty. This game was a very low scoring uh, game, even though Bryce Young have, had over 300 yards passing. John Mechie, uh, I think 150 yards receiving after Williams goes out. But another, another defensive struggle here. I need to give credit to Roger McCary, senior quarterback, Roger cornerback Roger McCary. Um, he was causing problems for Alabama receivers all day in, in man coverage and was doing an excellent job breaking up passes without interfering. He ends up giving up the two-point conversion at the end of the game to John Mechie, but he was just outstanding all day. And you win some, you lose some. Um, at the uh, In the first overtime, Brian Harson, you've got a, a quarterback TJ Finley, who can't even walk, you score a, t- a touchdown, you have the two-point conversion, you have the momentum right there, you can go for the two-point conversion and end the game. Instead, you decide to go for one. I thought that that was a really poor decision. Um, there were other times where he could have gone for the win, and he simply didn't. Also, <laughs> I mentioned Will Anderson, another monster game uh, for him. He is leading the country in sacks, I believe. Um, but Alabama moves on, and... Uh, it brings us to the showdown next week that we all have been looking forward to Georgia and Alabama. 
yeah, uh, I will say before I put this game on Brian Harson, I'm putting it on Tank Bigsby. Uh, all he had to do was go down, and that game's over. That runs off 40 seconds. They go in there at the point where, and, and I go, I guess you are kind of nitpicking here a little bit, but the point where they got to the 40, or it was the 40 or 50 uh, in the game, they would have only had eight seconds left, not 48 seconds, which allowed them to then drive down and score. You know, I know it, it may have been tough. He looked. It looked like he just realized way too late what was about to happen, and then he tried to stop himself, and he was already on the sideline, and Alabama's players pushed him out of bounds to get the to get the, top, the clock to stop. If he just goes down right there, that runs forty seconds off. I don't think uh, I don't think Alabama wins, but I, I think you've got we've got to talk about Bryce Young. I mean, I know through three quarters he was not having a good game, but it matters that he brought them back and won this game. I think he I've been saying all along I think he should have ended up winning the Heisman. He was doing. He's been doing what C.J. Stroud has been doing without the weapons. Say what you want. I mean, Jameson Williams has been amazing this year, but I do think it's fair to say he's not J.S.N. Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. And Bryce Young's still putting up those stats with just Jameson Williams there. So I think with that performance right there, if he goes in and plays at least a decent game against Georgia, he's likely going to end up winning the Heisman. So good for him. And it's going to... Not only is it bring into a, a massive game for the SEC championship, but I think it, it, a lot of playoff implications because if they beat Georgia, I think they're both getting into the playoffs. And if they only lose by, say, a field goal as time expires, I do think there's an argument that they'll make it in, especially with Ohio State losing. I mean, Michigan likely jumps up into their place at least to three, if not to two. What does that do with Cincinnati? Oklahoma State winning. Uh, I've been saying for the past yeah, we're couple gonna weeks talk they about have the a chance to get in. Okay, yeah, it, it's, it makes things very interesting, yeah. Yeah, um, and I don't know if – was that a 99-yard drive that Bryce Young uh, ended regulation in to get them into overtime? He, as you said, I mean, he did not have a great game throughout, but he was dodging a lot of pressure in the backfield trying to make plays, and they just weren't there, but he, he did it when it counted. And I think that that is going to um, be very impressive for coaches uh, when it comes time for NFL draft because, I mean, Can he's I, just uh, poised to – Driving right I now. Say, Go ahead. I 100% agree with you, Colin. 100% agree. I, I mean, both. Well, maybe not yours right now, but I, I mean, I just don't think Stroud's a big time quarterback. I've been saying it all year. Been getting hated on for it, too. He struggles in the big moments. Anyways, continue, Felix. Bedlam uh, just ended, and there might have been some. Dist- well, actually, we're not going to say that there were some distractions. 33 37, Oklahoma State takes it. Oklahoma had a chance at the end. Caleb Williams. Um, I mean, again, talking about last-minute drives, he essentially runs the length of the field towards the ends of regulation to give them a chance. They just can't get, punch it in. But this game had a little bit of everything. You had muff punts. You had a kick return for a touchdown. Caleb Williams, 20 for 39, 252 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I've gotten on, on Lincoln Riley about running the ball, and he ran the ball today. 44 uh, attempts, 189 yards, led by Kennedy Brooks, 22 carries for for 139 yards. Caleb Williams had 19 for 36 on his own, but they are still not running uh, Caleb Williams out of design. Runs for some reason uh, over on Oklahoma State. Give it to Mike Gundy. Last year before the season with the rift between he and Chubba Hubbard, um, there was some concern that Mike Gundy could be on the outs. Him uh, about him not getting along with certain players in that locker room and certain alumni, but he has Oklahoma State on the verge of a playoff berth. 
Um, Spencer Sanders, 19 for 30, 214 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, but also did pace the Cowboys in rushing with 93 yards, one touchdown. Jalen Warren, uh, 17 carries for, for 56 yards. I like Tay Martin. I like Tay Martin. Is it Tay Martin? Is it Tay or is it T? Tay. Tay Martin is uh, someone that I'm going to be paying attention to come NFL draft time. I think he's a day three pick that I'm going to have rostered in a lot of places, continues to make big plays when it counts. Um, It's just that Oklahoma State offense hasn't been as exciting as in years prior. So, um, yeah, some shakeup, some shakeup, Matthew, today after Bedlam and with uh, Ohio State going down. It's uh, a matter of who is going to get who's going to be the four in the playoffs. Yeah, it's been a chaotic week 13. It's been a chaotic college season. We talked a lot about it coming into the year, right? We, we knew those top guys, all those top quarterbacks were leaving, and, and we talked all year, all preseason about it. How much was it going to take up college football? Bama seems to still be Bama, even though they've got the one loss. Clemson faltered. Ohio State has lost two games, which hasn't happened in over a decade. It's it's been a crazy season, and Oklahoma State capped it off today. Uh, and good for them. Good for Mike Gundy, as you mentioned. I believe he was 2-16 or something like that against Oklahoma. Uh, he's never actually won a Big 12 championship uh, game. He's won the Big 12 championship once before they had the uh, the championship game. He now gets a chance to do that going up against Baylor, which should be a, a decent game. But I would think they're favored to win that. I think that uh, that defense can slow down Baylor. Um, and that offense showed a little bit tonight against Oklahoma. That was my biggest thing. We picked that game this morning. I thought that it was going to be a much closer game uh, or lower scoring game. And I didn't think that Oklahoma State was going to be able to keep up with Oklahoma's offense. And they did. And and good on them. It was really good to see. I'm I'm excited to see what this means uh, moving forward, if they can get that win against Baylor. Because they're going to have a lot of cachet now with a big win against Oklahoma. Um, And then again, if they're able to win the Big 12 championship. Well, let's jump into the headlines here. And we've alluded to it. But the playoff picture, I mean, it's really taking form. Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and Cincinnati had been the top four with Michigan and Notre Dame rounding out out five and six. You have to believe Ohio State is going to um, at least be six. And I don't know if if Cincinnati will simply move up to three and Michigan to four. Um, What do you think is going to happen there? I I think with Bama – the biggest thing is I want to see how they seed uh, Bama and Michigan. I think Cincinnati stays at four. I don't think they'll move them. But Michigan gets the – they were sitting at five, so they were just outside, and they beat the number two team in the nation and soundly as well. That that was a big win where Bama struggled against Auburn, which granted, the, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about it the past couple of weeks. They've lost the previous two times they've gone to Auburn for the Iron Bowl, but they were also missing Bo Nix. They had a backup quarterback in there. And, and let's just be honest, Bama has struggled to really separate themselves – all season, they've had when they play these good games or these good teams, they struggle with them. In my opinion, Michigan should move to two. They beat the number two team soundly. Georgia out there dropped a 40 something burger on Georgia Tech, wasn't even close. I think Georgia stays at one, Michigan goes to two. You keep Alabama at three and Cincinnati at four. I think Notre Dame probably moves up to. Uh, Notre Dame is a great one. They beat Stanford. Colin, get out of here. That is not a great win. But Notre Dame moves up to five, and I think Oklahoma State is probably now sitting at six. The biggest thing is obviously going to come down to next weekend when Georgia and Alabama play each other. Uh, And Go ahead. I just don't see the committee letting Alabama in with two losses, and I think that that's going to mean, are we going to have Georgia, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Cincinnati in the playoffs? Is that what we're looking at? 
So that that's where things are interesting, right? I don't think Notre Dame's going to get in. If Oklahoma State wins, I think they're going to jump Notre Dame because the biggest thing that's going to affect Notre Dame is they're sitting at home next weekend. They're not mm-hmm. playing a game. What is Oklahoma State doing? They're going out there and improving their resume. And what's yeah. Notre Dame's best win? Is it North Carolina where they beat them by two points, a North Carolina team that's now 6-6, six and six, I think, on the season? Because the only good team on their schedule they played is Cincinnati, and they lost to them. And I may be misremembering a, a Notre Dame schedule, but I don't remember anybody else on there that's a really good team that they have beaten. Oklahoma State now has beaten Oklahoma, who was a ranked opponent. And if they go out there and beat Baylor, Baylor I think is 17 or 15 right now. They're probably going to move up a little bit in beating Texas Tech, or even if they stay at the same, that's another ranked win for Oklahoma State. I think it's going to be Oklahoma State. If if Alabama, which I expect Alabama to lose to Georgia, if Alabama loses, I think Oklahoma State sneaks into that four spot, bumps Cincinnati up, which means we would get a very intriguing matchup, in my opinion, between Michigan and Cincinnati, and then probably a bloodbath between Georgia <laughs> and Oklahoma State. So Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Oklahoma State. I mean, we're definitely getting some new blood in the uh, playoff this year. Um College football was great today. This is why you love college football. Let's talk about one other um, significant headline, Matt. And the rumors were circulating on Twitter today that Lincoln Riley held a team meeting um, even uh, t- today, I believe, um, telling the players that they had nothing to worry about, that he was committed to the team for this season but would not commit to the team beyond this season. Um, the Twitter sleuths out there are showing that he is now being followed by a number of um, LSU coaches, the baseball coach, the basketball coach uh, staff there at LSU. The reports go as far to say it's a done deal for Lincoln Riley to go to LSU and that at OU is going to produce to pursue Josh Heupel. Now, that second part actually makes a lot of sense to me, given that Heupel is a former OU quarterback himself. But what are your thoughts on Lincoln Riley potentially packing up and heading to uh, Baton Rouge? It makes sense. I mean, we talked a little bit about this on the show. We didn't dive deep into it, but there's been rumors for a couple of weeks now, and I can't remember if it was on this or Debbie debate. We, we discussed it a little bit, but – to me, it makes sense. I mean, look, Oklahoma is a great program. I, I don't want to upset. I know there was a couple of people in our Discord who were getting a little upset with me saying this. I'm not trying to disparage Oklahoma. They're a good program. They made it to the playoffs multiple times. They have mul- they have two Heisman winners in the past seven, eight years. But they're not LSU. LSU is an elite program when everything is rolling right. Would you say that right now, with Lincoln Riley's tenure at Oklahoma, they've had everything rolling right. He's been getting them. They've been multiple, uh, close to double-digit wins every single year. He's done a good job in recruiting, but they've never really gotten over the hump. LSU is a hotbed when it comes to recruiting, and they're a hot name. When you get a guy like Lincoln Riley in there, you get the right defensive coordinator in there to run, because we know Lincoln Riley's not going to run the defense. You're going to get prospects and players that you can just can't get at Oklahoma because LSU is a brand name it is an elite tier school when that is running right we saw it with Ed O right and granted it came right off a national championship they got guys they probably had no business getting in those recruiting classes built it up and then he just didn't do a good job of keeping everything together I don't think that happens with Lincoln Riley now granted that comes with some added extra pressure you you've got to win he's not going to get 10 years there if he's not winning every single year and doing it but I think if he takes the teams that he's had right now at Oklahoma to the SEC, 
I think they're maybe the fourth or fifth best team. Like they're not going to win the way I think he can. If he was building these teams in LSU, I think he could compete with the Alabamas and the uh, Georgias of the world, because I think he can bring that offense in there. And if he gets again, the right defensive coordinator, where they're going to get those elite defensive players in that, especially in that state of Louisiana, you know, all those kids are going to be excited with Lincoln Riley coming there. You're going to get some recruits that you can't get at Oklahoma. And I think that matters because we've seen, Having that talent matters. Those blue chip prospects. I can't remember who it is. I think it's someone at CBS or maybe it's at 24-7 Sports. Does like a blue chip prospect report thing that, that talks about like how many of these guys have like high end. And it's the teams that usually make the playoffs. Granted, it may be very different this year. But typically the teams that make the playoffs and win the national championship have a ton of those top end five and four star recruits. You're going to just be able to get more of those guys, in my opinion, at LSU than you can at Oklahoma. This is something I need to, we need to follow up on, Debbie, debate because – just thinking off the top of my head at past Oklahoma recruiting classes from the offensive side, think about uh, Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, um, this year, Mario Williams, next year, the two running backs for the, uh, that are, are two, the top five running backs in their class. I mean, it's not like Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's not getting recruiting talent to OU and to assume that he'd be able to do that much better at LSU just by virtue of his name cachet or what have you, I I don't know. That's a that's a just a stretch for me. I mean, Oklahoma is a good program, and I don't know that LSU presents greener pastures. So um, I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm not talking um, about the offensive side. I'm talking about on the defense. I think he can get better prospects in there defensively because those. Let's just be honest, and I don't think this is true, but the SEC is the best. That's what they tell you. That's what they constantly promote. Everybody thinks that you're going to be able to get. That'd be the reason why I'd want to stay at Oklahoma. Is that the Big Twelve is you know he can do all of the offensive stuff that he wants to, and he's not going to get a lot of resistance. I mean, the fact that he has to face stiffer competition. At but LSU he's going is is why it's questionable to me. He's going to he the SEC go. in, in two years though, and I think the difference with that is so. My biggest thing when I look at the recruiting is you're right. Right now, he's getting all those guys. But does that change if it goes to the SEC where all of a sudden, yeah, he's there and he may not be winning 10, 11, 12 games a year because it's going to take a year or two, to, in my opinion, to be competitive in the SEC. How many recruits do you lose now because you're not winning games? Or if he goes to LSU, I mean, we saw what they just won today against Texas A&M with a team that, I mean, I they're not really being coached. While they don't have a lot of talent, Lincoln Riley goes there. He immediately, I think, bolsters the recruiting class that they're going to get because players want to go play with him. And again, I think defensively, you're going to be able to get players to go there because Louisiana produces a ton of great talent as it is. And those guys are like, oh, hey, now we're going to have an offense because you're going to look at that as the – I don't know that they'll be this good, but the Joe Burrow, Joe Brady offense type, right? Like, yeah, oh my God, we're yeah. actually going to have a good offense with Lincoln Riley coming here, bring in some defensive uh, recruits and a defensive-minded coordinator. Or you're going to have defense, a good defensive coordinator. It's going to completely change that team. Now, Big 12 doesn't care about defense. Alex Grinch, he can't get those top-end defensive players, so there's only so much you can do. All right. Well, we, I mean, once that news breaks that, that Lincoln Riley has gone to LSU, if it does happen, we'll have more to talk about. Um, somewhere on some platform. So, all right, uh, Matt, do you, before we go into the players overall, do you want to do the video or do you want to do the players first? Yeah, we can. You want to do the video? I can just add it all right, right now. So I'll let you go ahead and tee it up. All right, so uh, if you guys watched Tailgate this morning, 
uh, we we put together a little highlights from season one. I didn't do the thank you part, so I'll just say this live. Thank you so much, everybody who's tuned in. Uh, for those of you who may not know, it's very late for some of us, so the fact that a lot of you guys stay up with us, jump in the comments, it, it may it means a lot to us. So this will be, as Felix mentioned at the beginning, the end of season one for us at the tailgate. So here are some of the highlights and the special guests that joined us throughout the season uh, to help us make this show such a success. people are saying and I think that Clemson does pull it out um I am so in terms of how the game would actually affect the season small sample size with the DJ right now and we need to remember he's still growing as a quarterback so right now he's not processing I think that's the number one thing we need to look for if you has- think about this team a couple years ago Nico Collins Donovan Peoples-Jones and Zach Charbonnet and he could do nothing with that offense let's bring in jeff bell jeff football guy staff debbie lead at fantasy pros co-host of the debbie royale you know him uh at for whom jay bell tolls on twitter for everyone uh it doesn't matter if you're a a first time starting quarterback or if you're emory jones like i mentioned earlier emory jones had a better day than i expected and i don't know that this outcome is any different if he starts because Let's welcome in Adam Lewis. Adam, uh, longtime Debbie analyst, our our Florida Gators, Florida Gators insider. You can find him at ADM Lewis on Twitter. Yards in the TD uh, and looked, uh, you know, like uh, he was the tight end. That's probably going to get most of the production for Penn State at least this season. I, I really thought it, it kind of put a nail potentially in his coffin for the NFL draft. I, I think it was actually a little more dire than both Colin and John kind of gave uh, against Louisiana. Let's welcome in Kane Fassell to talk about from one backfield situation to another. Of course, he is the the uh, co-host of the Debbie Marketplace. You can find him at Debbie underscore Kane. And he's also a big-time Gophers uh, fan. It's Coast to Coast presented by CampusToCanton.com. We are absolutely loaded for you tonight covering everything in week one of college football. But I need you to do two things for me. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and turn. Yeah, Austin likes touting the guys who are the five-star guys and the guys towards the top of the recruiting rankings. He, we, Austin doesn't like to dig and, and tout uh, too many guys lower on there. All right. Go ahead. Take it. Good riddance. All right. How's it going tonight, Kevin? Thanks for joining us here again tonight. Um, you you are going to be doing a weekly segment here for us. Uh, our, our West Coast, our, our left coast check-in, sorry, should I say, since you live out there uh, in California. So how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, it's only 848. I can watch more games. That's why the West Coast time zone is the best. And I will stand by that. It's at 511 200. I just put Brandon Thomas, I believe, ahead of Zach Evans. And that's if I had to draft today, that is where I would take him. He's 17% owned on Fantrax. There are three tiers. 
that I put in the waiver wire. Uh, I can't even remember what they are right now. But he, Brandon Thomas would absolutely blow the. He he would just be a by any means necessary. Get him on your roster if he is out. He's a top fifteen running back, a top fifteen running back uh, in Devi, and I and I don't know that that's going to be controversial in, in two weeks. It will still right. be controversial in two weeks. It would still will. <laughs> Just like, you know. Okay. Said something there. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't think it will be. I mean, he's a he's a, he's a damn well, good. Player. We know. Um, you just said that like all non like nonchalantly. He's I've moved him ahead of Zach Evans. Like you saw the rest of us all kind of like what? So yeah, that's fine. You know, you're allowed your takes. What are we doing next, Felix? Let's you know. Look, look forward and, you know, keep doing what we're doing. CU duo today. Uh, you know, the two, the two guys were really interested in there. Uh, Max I want to elaborate on and, something I said earlier. Oh, okay. I want to elaborate oh, on something okay. I said earlier. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. I said, you know, I think that the, on the field, it just moves too fast for him as you see as he ran out of bounds in the opportunity where you can't run out of bounds. Well, it's probably right, Brandon. As I say, it's probably stocked down for Joe Milton then. But <laughs> <laughs> look at that segue. I'm sure he looked good. I like that Memphis office as a whole. I just, I, I you know, I, I'm not moving him up over Zach Evans. We'll see what happens though. I thought I was aggressive on my Brandon Thomas ranking. <laughs> I, I, I really think you did. have him like I've, sixty, right, or forty? Yeah, 20? I, yeah, yeah, like like yeah. in the fifties. I I thought I was being aggressive, but uh, apparently that is not the case. But just to to go to your original question with TCU, yes, is this the end for DJU, folks? No, I don't think so. Um, first of all, anybody wondering why I'm wearing a bag, if you caught the morning show, I did stake my reputation uh, on Ty, uh, <laughs> Traylon Burks on the over 89 receiving yard, over 89 and a half receiving yards. He had 89. Um, Penn State losing today also did not help. Um, I called Chris Moxley up, got his bag guy on the phone. They got me a nice one. Um, but no, to answer your question, I don't think this is the end of DJU. Around him. For those listening at home or listening to the replay on the podcast, Colin Decker is wearing a bag over his face that is too short and it's showing off his double chin. And uh, it says building character. So I wanted to paint the picture. He's got two eye holes punched out of this bag. Um, it just which looks, it very looks similar. It looks so, it reminds me of um, the. The Django Unchained scene, if you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Where they're just complaining about the bags not fitting right. Like, it's just it's so bad. It's just so more, bad. It's just one, of the more, one of the more underrated cameo appearances in modern film history. I think that's Jonah Hill in that scene. It is. There's a lot oh, of very famous people in that scene, but yeah. Yeah, it's Jonah yeah. Hill. I apologize, Matt. I thought that the C.J. Verdell stuff would be too painful for you. Uh, I, I did not think you would go into that well. If I don't talk about it, I can't get over it. So we, yeah. we've just got to keep talking about it. Yeah, that, you must have a really good therapist. Um, yeah, he's going to talk to us a little bit about what Jim Harbaugh has done to develop talent at Michigan during his tenure. 
That's not what we're going to talk about. Jarek is going to talk about Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers and what happens when you don't play earlier. That was. I thought that was. You just don't understand. These matching get. If you are not in a campus to can league, you need to be in one because it makes these games more fun. When you have a Tavon Randall, who no one is talking about, go off in your starting lineup for three hundred and nine yards in three touchdowns. And that guy's a freshman. Tavon Randolph absolutely went off, uh, like putting up video game numbers. He had, I mean, he was the, uh, he had the most receiving yards this season. And Austin, you talked about him um, on our show last week or the week before about guys. Few moments later. And no one is talking about Tavon Randolph because his real name is Trayvon Rudolph. Matt Bruning, anybody stock up or stock down? <laughs> I, I couldn't make it through. I tried to not laugh. Oh, I couldn't do it. So that'll be it for me at Headlines, guys. Thanks for, for letting me take over the show. Now I believe it's – I don't know who's hosting Left Coast with with uh, Kevin, so I'm just going to let whoever behind the scenes handle that one. I'm just going to disappear. It's panel time. Matt, come back. Don't leave me. I love you. How about this? Does this bring you back? Matthew Boohoo Bruning. It does. I'm back. I'm back. Why? Wait, why am I boohooing? I'm sorry. Uh, you seemed really worked up about Cincy. Uh, Felix, are you doing Do I not get to be in here? What's, what the hell is going on? You're here. You're here. You control. I thought you could control. Yourself. I just added myself in. Yeah. Congratulations on. Uh... Let's bring in the rest of the group here. Whoever's left. Who's, who's ever, who, whoever is left here uh, in the campus to Canton team. Bring everybody in. Hey, Brandon, Colin, I don't know where should we start. Um, how about this? I'm going to throw it to the group. Anyone just jump in and answer. Do we owe Kyle McCord an apology after his performance today? Yes, you do. say austin i can go back and win now okay it said matt do you want in i mean matt go ahead man why do we owe why do we owe uh kyle mccord i mean i could go and pull all the receipts if you'd like felix he's never gonna start a game he's gonna transfer by september he's never gonna throw a pass for ohio state Season of the tailgate, first season of Coast to Coast. Um, we had a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of fun next year. Let's um, before we get out of here, Matt. Let's talk a little bit about some players. We always talk about players whose value changed that today, um, but let's talk about some players whose value changed on the season overall. Um, some of the biggest uh, uh, fluctuations in value. We'll go positive. And negative. Do you want to start on the positive side? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll save some of the guys that uh, I know you've kind of touted that have really kind of blown up. You know, Josh Downs, he was a guy we had a lot of questions about coming into this year. We weren't sure if he could carry that offense. I think it's safe to say he's worked himself into, if not a, a day one pick, a, a high-end day two pick uh, when his draft comes up in 2023. I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention guys like Rasheen Ali and Seth Hennigan, who were not even drafted in C2C leagues. Um, and by week two, 
two, Rasheen Ali was a big name. Seth Hennigan was probably closer to four or five when people really started picking up on him. Uh, and then I, I got to mention Kenneth Walker. I think, you know, coming into the season that, you know, there was a, not a lot of people who thought he was going to be able to do much of anything. There, there were people talking about him not even getting the starting job in that backfield. Uh, and then he's come out there and I think worked himself into, you know, being at least a, the third running back off the board this year. He, he's likely going to be at least invited to the Heisman ceremony. He's just had an amazing season. He, he's really kind of shot his stock up in a major way. Yeah, I mean, let's think back to the beginning of the season at Georgia or even into the spring where Brock Bowers was behind one Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington, both of whom Eric Gilbert projected, you know, top 10, 15-ish pick at tight end and Darnell Washington a potential first-round pick at, at tight end. Eric Gilbert leaves the program. Darnell Washington is injured. And Brock Bowers has been nothing but spectacular. I mean, you can question him, but he had a 70-yard touchdown today where he just pulled away from everybody. Um, so he is definitely – I mean, he's gone from probably undrafted to being the tight end to two overall in Devi and someone in C2Cs that you can actually start. Anthony Richardson, I think he just proved this year that he is the best athlete in the country. And one of the uh, storylines that we're going to be tracking come this offseason is, excuse me, is who does Florida hire and what are they going to do with Anthony Richardson? Does either Richardson or Emory Jones transfer? But Emory Jones, or excuse me, Anthony Richardson, still three years, three more years of eligibility. Xavier Worthy, the freshman who was supposed to be at Michigan, leaves in the spring says this is uh no I don't think so goes to Texas and has been again spectacular a deep threat for them uh, I think Deshaun Jackson was the comp for him for 24/7 sports and that actually works and you got to save the best for last Tyler Van Dyke uh Tyler Van Dyke was one of my favorite players this offseason I called him the next Joe Burrow I thought he would have to transfer given that Jake Garcia was there but he's. It looks like not only is he is he going to be the starter going into the spring, going into next season, but he's someone that you have to seriously consider as a first round candidate in twenty twenty three. If you had to take that twenty twenty three draft right now, after Bryce Young, I'm not sure uh, who else you would you would take in the or C.J. Stroud, and then but Tyler Van Dyke would be right there for quarterback three to finish today. Uh, thirty four for forty nine, three hundred eighty one yards and three touchdowns. And he has had a few stinkers in there, but he has otherwise been spectacular. And again, <laughs> this is his first season as a starter. Um, Matt, we had some misses too, though. Some misses yeah. uh, and some players whose value fluctuated negatively this season. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll touch on on the first two guys. We can go deeper into them if you want. I mean, two Buckeyes that I thought were going to be good, especially Mookie Cooper. I thought him transferring to Missouri was going to be great. I don't even know that he's been on the field for more than three games. Obviously, G. Scott, I, I still think that the, the transition to tight end, if he sticks with it, can be good for him. But he hasn't been on the field a lot either. He, he's been injured. He wasn't at the game today. Uh, he's missed quite a couple of games due to injury. You know, a guy that I was with Colin on and Hudson Card, I mean, I don't know that he even has value right now. Coming into the year, he was highly drafted, uh, wins the job, plays good, and then played really bad, gets benched for Casey Thompson. And when he's come back in, he has not played good at all. You know, I, I would – uh, I'm very curious to see where he transfers to next season and what happens with him because his stock is really kind of low. Uh, another quarterback that a lot of people were hyping up, Caleb Ellaby, 
I, I think that, you know, there was talks that he was supposedly going to get first round draft capital coming into the se- uh, out of the season. I don't even know that he gets drafted right now. Uh, and then a guy that you just mentioned that I was very high on, I, I have him in a lot of places. I draft him as a freshman was Jake Garcia. Uh, you know, you just mentioned it, Tyler Van Dyke. I don't see any way outside of injury that that Van Dyke doesn't keep that job. So where does Garcia transfer? I don't think that he wants to sit for another season. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, too, with Miami. And they've just lost their offensive coordinator. I believe he took the SMU job. The SMU so what, job, Rhett Lashley, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so I don't know who comes in there. But even even with a new coach coming in there, uh, I think Van Dyke has proven how good he's been. He's not losing that job. So what happens with Jake Garcia? Where does he transfer to? So I think his stock is taking a, a pretty decent hit because he was at least a third or fourth freshman quarterback coming off most boards this year. The great thing about Card and Garcia is those those guys could transfer to a soft landing spot, and because they become starters, they, their value automatically uh, jumps takes a jump in value. And um, Garcia looked good in the spring game. He just wasn't healthy enough to take over for uh, De'Aaron King when De'Aaron King went out for the season. So um, Daniel Jackson. Daniel Jackson was a player that I gravitated towards. It was apparent that he was going to be in that slot, that that position uh, previously held by Drashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson, and there was going to be all sorts of fantasy goodness for him. Daniel Jackson only had 20 catches for 222 yards this season. Still technically a freshman because you retain the eligibility that you had last year. So he still has three years to de- to um, uh, to develop. And uh, he could. He, he could turn it around. But he was uh, not good this season, I thought. I mean, especially given how athletic he is. He was one of the more athletic wide receivers in that 2020 wide receiver class. Jalen Berger. <laughs> Thought that what Braylon Allen was, that that could potentially be Jalen Berger. He's no longer with the team. I think he's still in the transfer portal. Um, And Eric Gilbert, as I mentioned, Ajay Hall. If I had, there's, I think that there's zero chance that Ajay Hall uh, ends up in Alabama next season. He's already complained about his playing time. He, He tweeted that he wanted to quit. Um, I don't see. I don't see how he how he gets. Uh, uh, he's not going to be in T- Tuscaloosa next year, and I actually included him in the article for of potential transfers. You got uh, another name? Yeah, I will say too. You just mentioned we should have mentioned Braylon Allen. I mean, that dude's probably seen his stock rise more than some of the guys we just mentioned. Again, not. Yeah, I don't even know that he was getting drafted. Yeah. Uh, Eric Gray, who we saw muffed a punt tonight in, in Bedlam. A guy that I, I know most of us at the site were not super high on, but there were a lot of people talking about him being the best back in this class. I, I, I would say I, I don't – I hate saying stuff like this because I feel like I'm, I'm so negative. And in my opinion, they're just kids because they're so much younger than I am. But, like, I don't even know that he gets drafted. He has had such a bad season. He can't transfer again because he's used his one-time free transfer. I don't know that Kennedy Brooks is going to leave. So then what happens at Oklahoma? Like he's kind of just stuck in a really bad situation at Oklahoma. So I think his stock is probably one of the biggest ones we've seen drop down as well that I don't see any way in recovering. Like you talked about a Garcia and a card and even a Hall. Hall could transfer somewhere and be the wide receiver one next year and immediately his stock's rebounding. Outside of Kennedy Brooks leaving or getting hurt, I, I don't know that Gray is going to be able to rebound his stock. So he, he took a massive hit this year. Well, not only that, but they – OU brings in two top five running backs yeah. in Relique Brown and I can't remember the other guy. The Gavin other Sawchuk. Name. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Next year, or so um, and Lincoln Riley has been active in the transfer portal when it comes to running backs. So, yeah, uh, Eric Gray might have to go play cornerback or something like that. 
All right. Any any other players, Matthew? Nope. That's it. That's all I've got. That is going to be our last show for the year for the tailgate. I want to thank um, Matthew for being the producer that he is behind the scenes, uh, getting us together with with uh, the music and the overlays. Kevin Coleman, who joins us every week for the Left Coast, and then obviously all of the folks at campus to Canton who uh, take their time to to do this show. Austin, Colin, Brandon, um, anybody else? I'm forgetting Matthew. Uh, let's see who else jumped on here. Mike was on Chris here for an Moxley, episode. We had Will. Jarek, Will came on for a couple times. So yeah, Will uh, and Jarek Backus for putting the the and congratulations to Jarek Backus yeah. who uh, just had a baby. So all right, I think that is it for us. We're going to be paying attention to Championship Week. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going to continue pumping out content into the off season. Of course, all of the podcast continued to go on throughout the year but for matthew and myself that's it for us good night america